Hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, just thank you for this day, this day uh, that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of it, that you are uh, creator, you are protector, you are provider. And Lord, when we feel like we're surrounded uh, by the enemy and by outside circumstances, help us to know and realize that we're surrounded by you. So Lord, in this moment, uh, as we open up your word, as we dive into Uh, Your scripture, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and most importantly, hearts that would understand uh, your word. God, I ask that you would uh, speak through me and that you would speak in spite of me. I pray all of these in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. How are we doing? Hey, you sounded terrific out there. You, you, you may or may not have known this. We were having a little issue with the guitar. You couldn't hear that. And so we could just hear voices in this place today, and it was fantastic. You all are a beautiful people. Maybe we should just start a congregational choir. Where's Diana Ice? She would love that. That's right. She would love that. It was incredible. So, hey, thank you for being here. Hey, my name is Alex Alexander. I'm one of the pastors here at Lawrence Free Methodist. And if you're visiting with us, You are a special guest. I know Doug's already addressed that issue, but we do hope that you'll take just a minute and complete that connection card that's in the pew rack. We promise not to stalk you. We won't show up on your front doorstep unaware. We just want to know that you're here today, and so if you'd take one of those cards and when you're exiting today, drop that in the faith box, uh, we'd be honored uh, if you'd do that for us. Uh, If you got your Bibles, we we just want to, I want to dive in today. We've got lots of stuff ahead of us today, and so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, and while you're uh, turning there, uh, how about those Jayhawks and Wildcats? Yeah, a lot of you have had, had some good fun teasing me that the Longhorns lost yesterday to the Horned Frogs. Frogs should never be able to take on a big Longhorn bull, but whatever, we lost. But I'm happy for the state of Kansas. It is Fun to see some good football on the field, so, and, uh, and I'm not a big fan of the Sooners, so thank you, Kansas State Wildcats. Yeah, where's Larry, where's Larry Millette? I know Larry's in there. Sorry, Larry. Larry's a Sooner. I'm a Longhorn. We tolerate one another, so anyway. Hey, um, Matthew chapter 22, let me tell you what's happening uh, as we get here. We've been studying Matthew uh, all year long. Uh, we started in January, and we started in Matthew, and then uh, we took a break at Easter, and then we jumped back in for the uh, summer, and then we took a little break in August. We've done about 30 sermons in Matthew so far as we've been working our way through, and we've been looking at the parables of Jesus. And in these parables, Jesus often told these stories in in such a way uh, to help us understand a, a deeper truth that he was trying to communicate, rather than sometimes just telling us that in a, in a short little axiom, some short little statement, he would tell a story to help us understand something that's going along, um, that's happening, that he, he wanted uh, to explain and, and wanted us to know about. And, and so we've been talking through these parables, and today we get to a parable that's the parable of the wedding feast. And so I just want to jump right in and tell you that this is a story that Jesus is telling. This didn't really happen. As far as we know, it's just a story. But here's how this parable starts. Look at this, Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, 
saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. So, so here's what we know. Jesus is telling us so far that there's this kingdom, that there's the here and now, what, what you're doing, but then there's a, a day that's going to be different. There's the, the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to be likened to a wedding feast. And, and not just any old wedding feast, but a, a royal wedding. This is a king who's throwing a wedding for his son. And weddings today are a big deal. I don't know if you know that. But, but weddings are a, a big deal today, but they were even a bigger deal back then. In fact, in this Jewish culture, and I, I'm so glad that we don't do this. This is kind of weird and maybe perhaps a little bit risque, but I'm going to share it anyway. In this Jewish culture, often what they would do is they would have the ceremony. Husband and wife would, would get married, and, and then they would go into this little tent that was set aside, and they would consummate the relationship. You reading between the lines? While, no, that's, that's not even the best part. I mean, for those of us who are married, we're like, that's the best part. Um, sorry. The wedding party would stand around outside the tent, waiting for that to happen. And then the couple would come outside of the tent, and then they would party for like a week. So who's glad that we don't do that anymore? Yeah, that's right. So weddings were this huge deal. And they're a big deal today. They're even a bigger deal back then. But every wedding needs guests. And so here's what the king does. Here's what happens next in verse 3. Maybe. So the king sends his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And so here's what's interesting, because it had this past language, like people who were invited to the wedding. So here's what we can do. We can liken that to sending a save-the-date card. We, we often do that today, right? We send, hey, save the day. This, this thing's happening at some point in the future. You think about it back then. They didn't have the kind of communication tools that you and I have. And so if you were going to have a big wedding or something like this going on, you had to let people know way in advance. And so at some point, the king's already made this announcement, hey, if it's in two years or one year or in six months, we're going to have this wedding. And so people have been invited to the wedding. But, but here's what happens when he sends the, the, the servants out to tell everybody that, that the, the day has come, like you've been told in advance the wedding's going to happen, and now is that day when he tells them that, look at what, what happens, they don't come. I mean, can you imagine turning down the king? I mean, this would be like, I don't know, was it, is it Prince Harry and Meghan, was that their name? I don't, I don't keep up with the royal family. They got married like a year or two years ago, something like that. Can you imagine if Queen Elizabeth that invited you to the wedding said, hey, we're going to fly you over, we're going to put you up in the castle, we just want you to come, and you just took a hard pass? You're like, ah, no thanks. Like, I wouldn't turn the queen, I don't even know the queen, but I wouldn't turn down that invitation. But the king sends out an invitation, he sent out a save the date, now he's saying the day is here but they don't come to the feast. And here's what happens in verse 4. So again, he sends other servants, saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Just come to the wedding feast. Like, what a great king this is. Like, everything is, is ready to go. He, he's killed the oxen. He's killed the, the fatted calves. We're having a barbecue. You just need to come to the wedding. 
We don't know why they didn't come the first time. Maybe these guests thought it was going to be lame or it was going to be boring. And so the king says, well, tell them there's going to be a big party spread there. We have some Kansas City ribs and burn-ins and it's going to be awesome. He's like, it's like getting the word out. Speaking of that, have you, you ever been in wedding purgatory? You know what wedding purgatory is? Wedding purgatory is that um, time between the end, of the, recep- uh, the end of the ceremony and the beginning of the reception <laughs> where there's like no food and you're waiting for the wedding party to take pictures and that sort of stuff. That's wedding purgatory. And this king's like, no wedding purgatory. Everything's ready. And speaking of that, while we're at it, now I'm going to circle back. I, I, I'm trying to be serious now. I'm going to circle back to this here in just a minute, but I got to be honest with you. I've got two children, and if I invite you to their wedding and you turn me down, I'm probably not going to double back. <laughs> Seriously, I'm probably not going to invite you again. If you tell me no the first time, I'm, I'm probably not going to beg you to come again, but this king does. It's like they won't come, so, so let's send some more servants out. Let, let's ask them again to come and tell them it's going to be a great feast. Then look what happens next. Beginning in verse 5, it says, but they paid no attention. So he tells them there's this big wedding feast, there's this big spread, but they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the king's servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. Wow. I mean, honestly, it's, it's not like they're being invited to a funeral. It's not like they're being invited to a, a, a beheading. Or, or a hanging, or, or something that, that's bad and or negative, they're being invited to this huge party, this huge wedding feast. Like, who would turn down the king? But that's what these people do. They turn him down. They don't show. They spurn the invitation. And it's at this point, as Jesus is telling the story, that the king's patience runs out. Look at this in verse 7. It says, at that point, then the king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Whoa. Remember, this is just a story. This didn't really happen. Jesus is trying to make a point here. And it's at this point, what Jesus is trying to say is that justice has now been carried out by the king. And so I sent my servants out, and you killed them, and so now I'm going to burn your city. And so we've got to ask ourselves, why? Why does Jesus add this to the story? And here's what you need to know, is this is the last week of Jesus's life. In fact, just before he's sharing this parable, he's ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey on what you and I call Palm Sunday. In fact, as he's telling this parable, he's just days away, literally like four or five days away from being arrested, put on trial, and crucified on a cross. See, Jesus has a sense of urgency to share the gospel with those that would hear. He's trying to make a serious point. I don't have much time left. You need to understand this. There's justice from the king. We'll come back to this in a minute. Look at what happens next. Look at verse 8 through 10. So then he says to his servants, I'll tell you what, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. 
So go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. And so here's essentially what the king does. He says, at this point, we've got this big party. It's ready to go. Just go get anyone. Just go get anyone who wants to come to the party. In fact, when he uses this, um, these two words, main roads, basically what he's talking about is prostitutes and, and beggars and the lame and the blind, because that's where they would have been hanging out, on the main road. So go get the lame and go get the blind. Go get anybody who will come to the party. Go get those who aren't normally invited to a royal wedding. People who aren't on the original guest list. Just go get anyone. He opens up the party. And look at verse 11. So the wedding party is happening now, but when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This too seems harsh, doesn't it? This is harsh. This guy makes it to the wedding. But he's not dressed appropriately, and so the king throws him out. Not, not just bounces him out, but says bind him hand and foot and, and chunk him into the outer darkness. This is crazy. But, but maybe the harshness lessens just a little bit when you understand, that particularly a royal wedding, that, that kings would have issued garments for all of the party goers to wear. It would be akin to just sort of like what we do with bridesmaids' dresses, right? Or, or groomsmen who all kind of wear the same thing and are matchy-matchy. Well, the king would have done that for, for everybody. We don't know if it had been some sort of coat or cloak or, or shawl in, in some particular color. But if you were invited, you would have been dressed in that garment and you would have come into the party. And so now there's someone at the party who's not wearing the garment. This guy that's at the party thinks his own clothing will suffice. No thanks, king. I'm dressed good enough. This is disrespecting the king. It's dishonoring the king. You need to understand that about the story. It's dishonoring because he doesn't receive the king's gracious gift of the wedding garment. And so that's really the parable. And then Jesus ends this way. In verse 14, he says, For many are called, but few are chosen. That's kind of strange, isn't it? For, for, for many are called, but, but few are chosen. This kind of makes no sense. It seems like it would make sense if Jesus had said something along the lines, For many are invited, but few accept the invitation. Like many people have been in, invited, but people turn it down. Like you and I see that in the story. But, but there are no words of talking about accepting the invitation or anything like that. It uses this word chosen. It makes it a little bit confusing. It's as if the people who were invited in the first place weren't actually chosen to come to the wedding. And so what do we do with this? This is a little strange. Well, I want you to hang on to that. And I'm going to end with that. 
here in just a moment. Hang on to that uncomfortable feeling, and we'll, we'll come back in a minute. That's the parable in the, in the past. Jesus is telling the story, but I fully believe that there are things that now 2,000 years later, there's some things that I think that Jesus would say to you and I, some, some key things that we can pick up in this story that will bring the parable into the present and impact our lives. And so let me share with you some of those things. Here, here's the first thing that I would share with you this morning. I, I want you to see the repeated invitations and the patient pursuit of the king. The repeated invitations and the patient pursuit of the king. Not one time, not two times, but three times. Really four times if you go back to save the date. I sent the save the date, and then there were three more invitations to the party. Here's kings don't double back. Kings don't beg. They don't grovel. In, In fact, in the Eastern culture in which this was written, you and I are in a Western culture, so, so there's a lot that we don't understand about this. We live in a, a guilt-based culture here in the West. In the East, it's a shame-based culture. And those of you who've grown up in the East, you, you would know that. Some of you grew up overseas and in the East, it's a shame-based culture. And so a king wouldn't have doubled back because that would have brought shame on him to, to beg you to come to his wedding or his event. He wouldn't have done it. Just simply wouldn't have done it. It would have been a sign of weakness. And so what, what subjects in a kingdom want a weak king? They don't. And so the fact that as Jesus is telling this story in this Eastern culture, in this day and time, it would have confounded the, the hearers of the parable. And Jesus is trying to make a point that the king in that story, or in other words, our king of kings, our Father in heaven invites us to the table time and again. He's patient with us. In fact, Peter shares one of the most beautiful verses ever, I think, in 2 Peter 3.9. Peter writes this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness. but He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is what Jesus is saying in the parable. This is the point behind the repeated invitations. It's to show us that, that the Lord is patient with us. He wants everybody to come to the party. The king is willing to endure shame just so the banquet will be full of guests. This is the patient pursuit of the king. Don't miss that. Here's the second thing I'd share with you. It's the joy in the kingdom. There's joy in the kingdom. Remember, he started this off by saying this is a parable about what it's going to be like one day in heaven. What it's going to be like when, when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom. He's telling this parable. And there's some, some things, because this is a royal wedding feast, that we can assume here, right? He's comparing this to a royal wedding. Have you ever woken up, ladies, I know you've done this, woken up early in the morning when they broadcast the royal weddings on TV? Quite a shindig, huh? What a party. I mean, we can assume there's going to be singing and dancing and laughing all kinds of stuff happening at this. There's going to be meat. There's going to be meat in heaven, man. 
Listen to me, no quinoa. There's no quinoa mentioned in the story. In fact, those of you who like quinoa now on this side of heaven, that's just your sin nature. It'll be restored when we get to heaven. Yeah. There's meat in heaven, man. This isn't a wedding in someone's backyard with just a couple of people. Those are sweet. I've officiated a couple of backyard weddings. This is a royal feast. This is a fun gathering. This is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. Here's how I want you to imagine the kingdom. Imagine a place beyond your imagination. Imagine a place beyond your imagination. Like what's the greatest thing or event or place you've been to on earth? Think about that for a minute. What is that place? Where have you been? Maybe Disney World. Maybe you've taken the kids to Disney Amanda Carboon, our children's director, and Aaron, they took their kids a couple of weeks ago. Like, it's the happiest place on earth. We took our kids about 15 years ago. I can confirm, Disney World is the happiest place on earth. M- maybe you were there the last time the, the Jayhawks won the national championship. When was that, 2008? Something, something like that. Maybe you were there a couple of years ago. Was it 2015, the Royals won the World Series? I mean, think about what's the best thing you've experienced on this side of heaven, and then just, you need to know this, it blows that out of the water. Just blows it out of the water. There's no more sickness. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more cancer. There's no more abuse. There's no more hate. There's no more discrimination. There's no black, there's no white. All all nations will be there. It'll be a place of eternal joy. This is the kingdom. And the king invites us to the kingdom. He invites us to the wedding feast. Do you want to go? Because you can. This is heaven. Don't miss that. Here's the third thing that we see in the story. These perplexing rejections. Isn't that weird how they just keep turning the king down? It's a little bewildering. It is perplexing. They've been sent a save-the-date card. They know it's coming. This isn't one of those moments where it just kind of snuck up on them. Like all of a sudden the king's servants are out and like, hey, drop everything. There's a party happening right now. Like we've told you in advance, this is no secret. This is no surprise. And they don't come. They know the day is coming and they don't go. In fact, the second time, they're, they're filled with excuses. It says one goes back to work. One goes out to the farm. Don't, don't we know this to be true? Sometimes on this side of heaven, when we share the gospel with people, they're not interested because there's other things that distract them in life. It's jobs. It's the almighty dollar. It's hobbies. For some, it's their kids' sports. Just, I'm distracted. I'm too busy. I can't come to your thing because I've got something that I think is more important going on. But this is the wedding feast of the son of the king. How do you turn that down? 
It's bewildering. But it's true that people do reject the king. And there's even a more subtle rejection, and this is the fourth thing I want to share with you. I I call it the imposter at the party. It's this last guy that gets in, that gets kicked out for not wearing the wedding garment. You remember that part of the story? Guy that comes to the wedding, but he's just not dressed appropriately. He's an imposter at the party. You, You know what that's like? In an auditorium this size, I can tell you just from looking out right now, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but there's some of you here this morning that are here and you're just playing church. You like the music. You, You like the community. You like being identified with a group of people. People here are kind, or you like... Uh, the mission, the fact that we go out and serve our community. There's things that you like about it, but you have yet to step into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're playing church. You maybe have been doing that for years. This is what the guy at the party is like. Somehow he's gotten to the party, but he's tried to get there. Here's what you need to understand. He's tried to get there on his own terms. He rejects the wedding garment of the king. No thanks, king. I'm good. See, some people try to, again, try to do that today. You're like, well, I want to come to church. I want to be part of your church, but I'm not sure about this Jesus thing, or I'm not sure about this thing or that thing. And here's the deal. You don't get to come on your own terms. The king has set forth the terms. And the most important one is that you put on Jesus. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans this very thing. He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or I like the NIV version, which says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is specifically what he's talking about. When he tells the parable that this guy who's got in has not clothed himself in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything in the, in the kingdom. So you don't get to come, well, I believe in your Jesus, but I also believe in these other things. No, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Clothe yourselves in Jesus Christ. So we don't like to hear this, but it's true. There's one way into the kingdom, and it's through the Son. That's it. And if you don't, if you try to get to the party some other way, the king throws you out of the party. Sounds harsh. It leads me to the fifth thing. This is what we see is we see the judgment of the king at this point. Right? This is a difficult subject to talk about, but it's absolutely in line with what the Bible teaches. It's absolutely in line with what Scripture teaches. Listen, God invites. God pursues. In fact, he's been pursuing since Genesis chapter 3. He pursues, and he's patient, and he's kind, and he's loving, and he wants us to accept the invitation. And yet, here's the reality. There is a limit. At one point, the invitations stop, and we move forward with the wedding feast, with those who will come. So Jesus is telling the story. And what, it, what he means is, is 
one day, we know this when we read God's word, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the judgment of the king. In fact, 2 Peter 3.9, I've already read this to you. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. But look at what verse 10 says. But the day of the Lord will come. Like he's patient. He wants everybody to make it to the party. But the day will come. In fact, it says he'll come like a thief in the night. We don't know when he'll come. And I know there's nothing fun about it. We would rather talk about the repeated invitations of the king and the patient pursuit of the king and the the wedding feast and the joy of the kingdom. Those words are sweet and they are true, but friends, it is also true that there's a limit to them. They stop. There's an end to them. And each day that the king puts off the coming of the wedding feast of his son, Every day he puts that off delays the reality of this point to its fullest measure. That's why today is the day of salvation. It's today. We're not promised tomorrow. Today's the day. This is the urgency. And then last but not least, I've got to leave you with some hope, right? Right? got to leave you with the, the grace of God. How do we see the grace of God in all of this? I mean, we're reading this story and we're like, man, it just seems like the king's really mad and he's really angry and he's burning cities down and he's throwing out people who've gotten to the party. Where, where's the grace of God in all of this? What, what do we do when people who've been invited to the party end up being punished? This is hard. Here's what you need to know. No one gets to the party in the first place if they're not invited by the gracious king. Nobody gets to go. Nobody gets there unless the grace of God is extended to you in the first place. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if nobody's ever told you this, he's invited you to a wedding feast. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it's called the the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that day is coming, friends. It's coming soon, isn't it? Can't you feel it? This is the grace of God. That if you still have breath, you can still accept the invitation of the King. And so that leaves us really with two questions this morning. And here's the first question. It's this. Have you accepted the invitation of the king? He wants you to be at the party. He's patient, but not as some measure patience or slowness. But he extends an invite. And so have you accepted the invitation of the king? Have you stepped in, more specifically, have you stepped into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's how you accept the invitation to the party. 
And then one last question, because you, you may feel like, well, I feel like I've already done that, but, but here's the second question would be, well, what clothing are you wearing? H- have you put on Jesus? H- have you clothed yourself? Have you bowed your knee and said, Lord, I, I receive you as my Savior and Lord, and there is no other way to the party except through you. What clothes are you wearing? Again, that day's coming. It's in some sort of scare tactic. It's in God's word. It's what we believe. That day's coming, and he wants you to be there. Will you be there? Will you accept the invitation? And will you clothe yourself in Christ? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just one moment? sort of feel like in this moment there may be some here today that um, this is just a difficult word to hear and I, I know that and I understand that but if you're here right now and you are feeling some sort of angst some sort of unsettling in your spirit friend I would just ask you where wherever you're at that you would pray that, that you would ask God what you what you should do with that angst and so so is this the Holy Spirit prompting you to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are uncertain that you've ever done that, then today is the day of salvation. And so my hope and my prayer for you is that you would accept that invitation. And if that's you, I, I hope and, and pray that w- you would take a bold step and that maybe you would reach right in that pew rack right in front of you. You would take that connection card and you would just indicate on there, leave us a name and, and check a box and, and just say, I want to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If, if nothing else, I at least want to talk with somebody about it more. And so if that's you, would you be so bold as to make that, that little move? We, we want to meet you where you are. And so if you'll just take that step, we'll, we'll follow up with you. We'll schedule coffee or lunch or we just want to tell you more about the wedding feast of the Lamb. And if you're here and you've already stepped into a relationship with Jesus, I, I would just tell you, let's keep inviting people to the party. We're here we're on mission to help people find and follow Jesus. And so we've got to keep telling people one day there's this great party and you've been invited and you don't want to miss it. Would you accept the invitation? And so I pray for you that you would feel, that I would feel that sense of urgency to go and tell, to help people find and follow him. In just a moment, we're going to receive communion together. We, we like to do this when we gather as often as we can. And it just reminds us of 
why we do what we do and why we gather each week and why we sing songs and why we pray and why we teach. It's all because of Jesus and what he's done for each one of us. And so it's a, it's a reminder of what he did, that he, he gave of himself, that he sacrificed his own life so that you and I could go to the wedding feast so that we would have a way to the wedding feast. And so here in just a moment, when you've had a little bit of time to reflect wherever you are seated, there are a few tables in the back of the room. There are some down front here with the elements. And so we come and we take this cracker, this bread here that represents the body of Christ that was broken for each one of us. And this cup that represents his blood that was spilled, that was shed for the forgiveness of sins and establishing a new covenant. That's why we take it. And every time we take it, that's what we remember. And so when you've had a moment just where you're seated to pray and to reflect, I want to invite you, if you want to, to come and celebrate just a little bit of what it might be like one day when we all come to the table at the royal wedding. When you're ready, you come. The same God that never fails 
will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you stand against and I choose to praise to glorify glorify the name of all names nothing can stand against oh yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will bless your name Amen. Yeah, you can clap for that. Hey, if you don't mind being seated for uh, just a moment, uh, if you're visiting with us today, th- this is an interesting day for you to visit, and so we're, we're glad that you're uh, here, but it's also a historic day uh, in the life of, of our church. Uh, our church uh, of people uh, known as the Free Methodists have been in this community for nearly 150 years. And, uh, and we've been identified as such. And, and a couple of months ago, as we were in a series called Rebrand, we took the summer to rework our vision and, and mission. One of the things that became evident to uh, our leadership 
at the church was that we needed to change the name uh, of our church to kind of reflect the times. And, and this was not a decision that was made uh, lightly or, or easily. There was a ton of prayer and a ton of thought put into this. And if you were here August the 25th, uh, I preached a, a message that day and gave a, a couple of reasons why, one, one being the, the, the denominational disconnect uh, these days in our, our culture. People don't define in, in communities as much with uh, denominations. I think if you're in the South, uh, you, you know, it's pretty evident the Baptists kind of dominate the South and, and that sort of thing, or Catholics dominate Boston and, and that area. But, but, but literally, uh, in this day and age, denominational disconnect, it just doesn't mean that much anymore. People aren't really moving to our community looking for the Free Methodist Church. And if they do, they know how to find us. You know, uh, that was one of them. Uh, another was, um, oh, I'm trying to remember, I preached this message. August the 25th, uh, guilty by association. Uh, there's a lot with, with that, that term Methodist, and so there's a lot of confusion. What's a free Methodist or a united Methodist, and what are the differences? And so without getting the opportunity to sit people down and kind of tell them that, uh, sometimes we miss out on opportunities for folks to be uh, a part of our church because of that. And, uh, and so we've been guilty by association. I think the, the third thing that, that uh, I mentioned um, was just to go along with our our new focus and our new mission and our, our vision. And basically, of changing the name of our church meant that we were building a bridge to the community, that it would put us on some sort of missional focus. And instead of building a wall, if we were able to, to kind of clear that up a little bit and build a, a bridge to our community, that why wouldn't we change the name of our church? And so, listen to me, you need to hear me say this this is no magic bullet. Nothing changes simply by changing the name of our church. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden people will come in here. And so this is, we didn't take this lightly, but we do believe it's the right thing to do. And I didn't do this in a vacuum. I've teased with a lot of people. It's not, I didn't, I'm not like Moses. I didn't go to the top of the mountain and come down and go, here are the Ten Commandments. And so I didn't do this by myself. In fact, it wasn't even my idea. Uh, I inherited it when I when I got here, and, and our ministry board's been having these conversations for a, a few years, and, and so we've just made it a, a reality. And so I want to introduce those people to you. Uh, we do this once or twice a year at, at different moments and different occasions. You may or may not know that we have a ministry board, a, a group of people, men and women, uh, who serve this church, whom I meet with monthly, who hold me accountable, making sure I'm not uh, preaching some, some other gospel, but that I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, leaned heavily on them for direction and, and vision and bouncing things off of them. And so I want to introduce them to you. Uh, if they'll come up here, if you'll put up that slide. Here are those folks, Darren Flory, uh, Dan Flynn. If you're here, would you come down here? I see some of you. Don't, I'm, I'll come out there and get you. Uh, Joe Gadzia, Dorothy Pogi. Here's Darren. This is Dr. Joe. This is Dorothy Dan's coming, here's Tyler, here's Ken Wagner, Tom Sachs coming. Tom's a, a back row free Methodist today. Good job, Tom. Yo, you were making coffee. It sounds like making excuses. I was off tending the farm. I was off doing business. I was off. I'm sorry. This is your ministry board, and uh, Yeah.
There are some pastors who do not look forward to board meetings, and I leave every single board meeting. Tyler and I joke about this, but I leave every single board meeting somewhere around 9 o'clock, 9.30, sometimes 10 or later uh, on, on our Tuesday nights when we meet. And then I go home, and I'm pumped. Like, I am ready. Like, I have to stay up. And I usually go to bed at 10, and Wendy's like, why are you chatty all of a sudden? And it's late. Go to sleep. And, and so these are great people, um, phenomenal uh, and they serve you faithfully, and they serve you well. You need to know that. Uh, you guys stay right where you're at. Don't, 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 don't. You're trying to make a move to go sit down. Don't do that. Um, also, I want to introduce you to the name change team. And so we had a group of, of lay people, and in addition to Ken Wagner uh, here on our board. He was the chair of this team, but we had a group of, of lay people who shepherded this process from the very beginning uh, until the end. And I want to introduce them to you. That's Jill Anderson. Jill, you're here. Come on down. I see you. Matt, you're here. Nicole, Don, where are you guys at? Don't, I'll, I will come. Yeah, there we go. So this group right here, um, yeah. Yeah, th- this group um, did a lot of the behind-the-scenes work of collecting all of the names and, and building out uh, the surveys that you took online and then collecting the results from those things. And uh, like the, j- they just shepherded. They were the work team that worked through this whole entire process. And I just want to remind you of that process that when we started, we took in over 300 submissions from the very beginning, and when we deleted the duplicate names that came in, we were left with a net of 273. We then lowered it to the top 40. From the top 40, this group down here at the end, they vetted those names, um, and and it left us with the top 11. And then you voted from the top 11 to to find a final three. And by the way, you don't know this, but there was actually a tie for third. And so we have four names to choose from because there was a, a, a dead tie for third place. And so this team decided, well, let's just submit all four names. Those four names came to the, the ministry board, and we met, and we prayed, and thought about it for a very long time. And we took those four names and just asked God, what, what do you want? Uh, and, and so we kind of voted among ourselves and had a lengthy discussion uh, a month ago. And, um, and, and so without any further ado, I, just, I want to show you uh, a graphic with, with the new name of our church. And so, so here it is. River City Church. Yeah. 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 And we, we had lots of good choices, but, but this was kind of my personal favorite. Um, I, I think it helps us reflect uh, our community, uh, where we live. If you don't know this, Lawrence uh, has been known in the past as River City. That's where the Wakarusa and Kansas Rivers uh, come together, and uh, lots of old-timers from around here n- know that this is called River City, and, and so we're, we're proud of where we are as a church, and uh, I just couldn't be more pleased with this process, and so I want to thank the board and the name change team and everything that you guys have done to get us to this point. Thank you. Yeah. You guys can be seated if you want to. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we were intentional about adding that little tag of 1872. We, we, are, we are not ashamed of our past. We are proud uh, of our past here. Uh, but we are also as equally excited about the future uh, of our church. And so I thought that was a pretty classy move 
uh, to add, add that established 1872. We want people to know that. Now, let me tell you this. We won't be using uh, this name just yet. <laughs> it feels weird. Um, but there's lots of stuff that has to change. There's signage and outside the marquee. We can't be River City in here and people driving by and be another church name. And so once we can get the marquee and, and things on the outside changed, we've got a new website coming that's going to reflect all those changes. Our goal is in about the next four or five weeks, but by December 1st, to be using this before Christmas. And so we'll let you know. We won't keep anything a secret from you anymore. Um, <laughs> You'll know what's happening and what's going on. We do have a little swag for you if you stay for the party. If you stay for, this is not the wedding feast of the sun. It's close enough. It's high V fried chicken, which is pretty darn good. Um, And so there's fried chicken and all kinds of stuff down there. But we've got a little swag. We've got these little stickers um, that, that are on the tables down there in the gym. So this, this, this uh, round one here is, is an actual sticker. And this guy here, this one on the, the white with the blue, looks a little bit different. It's a vinyl cling. And so you peel this off and it'll cling to stuff so you can remove it and take it off and that sort of stuff. So make, make sure the kids get this. If not, stickers are going to end up stuck on everything. This one will peel off. And so those are just on the tables down in the gym. Uh, I'll let you know when we dismiss. If you're staying for our fellowship celebration lunch, you'll go down this hallway uh, you'll go into room 2425, you'll get your chicken and your salad and your sides. There's four lines in there, so go down either side of the, the tables. We've got four serving lines in there to try to get people through, and then desserts and drinks are already waiting for you uh, in the gym. Um, even though the Lord is patient, I'm praying that you will be patient. Uh, we've got a lot of people to try to get through that line, and so feel free to, to take your time getting your kids, but, but we'll queue up in, in this hallway and, and go down to the gym together. And we have no agenda other than to just celebrate one another and God's goodness and to celebrate our future. And so let me pray for our meal, and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we know that ultimately uh, names and buildings and all of that stuff doesn't matter. Uh, The church is a people. And so, God, I just pray for us as as a people that we would uh, leave this place uh, excited and motivated to help people find and follow you, that we would uh, be good neighbors, that we would be loving, and that we would be kind, and that we would tell people that there's a great wedding feast for the sun one day, and you're going to want to be there, and that we'll invite them, and that we'll tell the world about you unapologetically, unashamedly, telling the world about the king and the king's son. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to celebrate. May River City Church be a blessing to you, not to ourselves, but to you, as we increase the kingdom. Lord, I pray for this fellowship now and this food. Would you bless this fried chicken? to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord, somehow make it healthy for us and all the desserts I'm going to eat. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.